Eleven times Remus said no, and one time he said yes. By Reese's Pieces Sirius anxiously pushes the rolled sleeves of his button-up further up his forearms, revealing a floral sleeve of tattoos on his left arm and a moon that changes with the phases on his right. It's been three courses of this. Picking at his beef, spilling his entire glass of water across the table as his shaking hands reached for the bread basket, twitching his fingertips against his thigh beneath the table. Not even half a bottle of wine had calmed his nerves. Finally, finally, the waiter brings their dessert and he can get rid of this Godric-forsaken ring. Pads, are you alright? You've been driving me mad since we got here. What's going on? Remus asks from across the dimly lit table. The candlelight reflects in his concerned eyes, orange flame in black pupil, iris as a warm amber. Sirius takes a deep breath and exhales slowly. Why was he so nervous? They'd been together for two decades, getting married was a formality at this point. What did he think was going to happen, the man across the table, his partner, his best friend, the love of his life, was going to say no. They have a house and a teenage child together, for Merlin's sake. Remus, he begins, faltering when Mooney's eyes widened at being addressed by his given name. He clears his throat. Remus. You are my best friend, my co-parent, my partner in all things, the love of my life. You're patient and supportive with Harry. Your kindness and empathy toward everyone you encounter continuously astounds me. I wake up every morning excited to talk with you, laugh with you, and share every moment I can with you. I've loved you since I was eleven years old, and I want to continue to love you for the rest of our lives. Mooney, Moonbeam, my love, my darling, will you do me the honor of becoming my husband? He pulls the navy leather box from his pocket and opens it to reveal a brushed gray tungsten ring, just the color of Sirius's eyes. Remus slowly slides his hand across the table, loosely interlacing their fingers as a tender smile pulls across his face. He leans forward to place a gentle kiss on Sirius's lips. No, he says softly. Sirius blinks rapidly. No. 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 What does he mean, no? They're already married in every aspect that counts, they just haven't gotten around to making it official yet. They've been putting it off, waiting for the perfect time. They're the happiest, the most settled they've ever been. Harry is fifteen, mostly independent. Remus has his Hogwarts position, a job he loves. Sirius is starting to make an actual difference in the world, driving policy in the Wizengamot, determining curricula with the school's governor's board. The perfect time is now. Why would Remus say no? It doesn't make sense. No. What do you mean, no? Sirius asks, tone a bit incredulous. No, love. You asked wrong. Try again, darling. Sirius thinks through the evening, trying to pinpoint exactly where he'd misstepped. Baby, this is our favorite restaurant. We had our first real, adult date here. You just had the life-altering risotto and one of those tacky chocolate lava cakes you love. I got them to play instrumental versions of Bowie and Queen for ambience. Sirius cries, throwing up his hands in frustration. Mm hmm, you did, and it was lovely, thank you.
Answer is still no, though, Remus returned smugly, his smile growing. Are you ready to head home? I need to finalize my lesson plans for the year, and I can actually see the clouds swirling around in your head as you brainstorm a new proposal. I can't wait to see what you come up with. Sirius sighs heavily, frustrated by how well his boyfriend knows him. Well, I thought it was romantic, he grumbles as he leaves a stack of galleons on the table. Just so you know, we can never show our faces here again. Nah, it'll be fine. Bryn had a great time, Remus says with a wink for the waiter as he puts on his jacket. Love you forever, you beautiful idiot. Okay, so Remus might have had a point. They go to that restaurant all the time, it really isn't special enough for an event like a proposal. Next time he'd nail it, show Remus the most romantic proposal he'd ever seen. Better restaurant, French this time. Champagne, not wine. Maybe surprise him with something nice to wear. That would be peak romance. Three weeks later, Sirius flews to Remus's Hogwarts quarters and leaves a package on his bed, tied in a neat burgundy bow. When he opens it, Remus finds a note resting on top of a tailored suit. My darling. I am bereft without you. Meet me at the Hogwarts gate at 6 o'clock on Friday so I might show you how much your love means to me. Wear the suit. Love. Your adoring Padfoot. After supper, he receives an owled note in reply. Most adoring Padfoot. You warmed my bed last night. Like Persephone returning to the underworld each autumn, I too have just begun my seasonal purgatory. It's good to know your flair for the dramatic will ever be my constant companion. See you in a few days. The suit is stunning but better fit for our bedroom floor, I think. Your beloved Mooney. Sirius groans inwardly at the response. Leave it to Mooney to turn this romantic gesture into a game of anticipation. He really should have expected that, Remus has always liked to tease. Sirius apparates to the Hogwarts gates a few minutes early on Friday evening so he can watch Remus's approach. He's beautiful in the deep emerald suit, tightly fitted to his long, thin frame. The crisp, white shirt is open at the collar, Remus knows it drives him crazy when he can see a few scars trailing beneath his clothes. All Sirius wants is to follow them, trace them with his fingers and tongue, a road map to ecstasy for them both. The color sets off his honey curls and golden eyes so he appears to glow in the evening light. Hi, baby. I missed you, Remus says when he arrives at the gate, kissing his cheek. My life is a barren wasteland when you're away, Sirius replies dramatically, receiving a snicker for his efforts. He offers Remus an elbow. Ready? You can't tell me where we're going. This way you have to hold my hand, and since I'm the one who knows where we have reservations, you have no choice but to side along. Remus rolls his eyes but smiles, twining their arms together from elbow to wrist as they disapparate. Sirius reserved the entire rooftop garden of a French fine dining restaurant, where they're plied with a five-course tasting menu and accompanying wine pairings. They spend the evening sharing caviar and smiles, 
Remus catching Sirius up on the first week of school antics of the Weasley twins and Sirius telling Remus about how he and Lucius Malfoy had narrowly avoided fisticuffs at that day's school governor's meeting. Sirius can relax and truly relish in the excitement of the proposal this time, the worst has already happened and they're just as happy as before. Remus has made it very clear he still wants Sirius, Sirius can't imagine a life without his Mooney, and his soulmate would never be cruel enough to decline a second proposal. Dessert is finally delivered, chocolate millionaire and elf-made champagne. In the bottom of Remus's glass is the ring. A smile immediately spreads across his face, widening further as Sirius drops to his knee beside their table. Oh pads, he says, cupping his hand around Sirius's cheek, gently brushing his lips with his thumb. Still not quite right, though I do love it when you get on your knees for me. Sirius sputters, torn between the disappointment of rejection and the hot anticipation of Remus's other proposal. He returns to his seat and raises his eyes to Remus. Remus gulps his entire flute of champagne, opening his lips just enough to take the ring from the bottom of his glass. He holds it to his mouth, maintaining continuous eye contact with Sirius, and licks the sticky sweetness from around the edges. Then he tongues the inside to remove any remaining liquid and sucks the last drop from his thumb with a little pop. You're obscene, Sirius whispers, voice low, chest and face hot. Thank you. Just trying to soften the blow, Remus smirks. Oh, softening. Is that what we're doing here? Sirius asks sarcastically. You're a menace. Mm-hmm, might be a little, yeah, hums Remus happily. He slides the ring across the table to Sirius. Keep this safe, love, you'll need it one of these times. He takes Sirius's hand, kissing the inside of his wrist softly, then nips gently at his pulse point. I have big plans for the rest of your evening. Let's go. Absolute menace, Sirius mutters under his breath, already standing to apparate them home. They appear just outside their wards, kissing fiercely as they open the gate. They stumble up the cobblestone path, Sirius's tongue tracing the scar that runs along the left side of Remus's jawline to where it disappears beneath his collar. They reach the house, bodies pressing together as they cross the threshold. Once inside, Remus uses Sirius's body to shut the door behind them, immediately pinning him, thighs and hips and chests aligned. Sirius tilts his head back as Remus nips at his collarbone, teeth dragging just above the top button of his shirt. They're tugging at each other's jackets, emerald green and black damask suddenly on the floor, panting into each other's mouths, hands grasping, hips rolling together as they search for friction. Remus eases his leg between Sirius's thighs, hands on his hips, grinding them together. Sirius nudges Remus gently, eyes flicking toward their bedroom. Remus pulls their bodies more tightly together as he backs them up, the pair stumbling into walls, knocking down a framed family portrait in their desperation. Remus tugs on Sirius's hand, directing him beneath him on the bed. His hands fumble, unbuckling belts and unbuttoning shirts until they're touching, skin on skin. They wrap themselves in each other, all gripping hands and moaning affirmations, teeth scraping against jawlines, tongues over the crests of hip bones. 
They follow long-established roots of pleasure recorded on each other's skin in scars and tattoos. They hold each other through the peak, serious as nails leaving new red marks among the long-heeled scars on Remus's back. Remus nuzzles into his neck, peppering kisses along his jawline. He sighs contentedly. I love you, Pads. I'm so fucking lucky to have you in my life. I love you too, Sirius whispers into Remus's hair. Marry me. Remus laughs lightly. Are you trying to use my postcodal haze against me? I'd never weaponize our sex life. Sirius asserts with mock outrage. Love, I am quite literally still inside you, Remus points out, kissing the sensitive spot just below Sirius's ear. That's two proposals in one night, too, you've always been so brave. I wasn't sure your ego could take it. My ego is fine, Sirius responds grumpily, kissing the top of Remus's head. Maybe it's your ego we need to talk about, three bloody proposals aren't good enough. Remus chuckles as he positions himself so his head is lying on Sirius's chest, fingers lightly tracing up the ladder of his ribs. He turns his head and kisses Sirius's chest then nuzzles in closer. Maybe so. I love you, baby, he says softly as Sirius's fingers stroke through his hair. Good night. Good night, moonshine. Love you too. Sirius is rummaging around in the back of their rental car, securing the last of their gear, casting a subtle weightlessness charm on their pack, and making sure the little leather box is secure in the side pocket. He turns to Remus, bouncing on the balls of his feet, practically vibrating with excitement. I can't believe you agreed to let me take you hiking, like real muggles. We're going to go all the way up to the top of the big beehive trail, then stop to eat at the tea house on the way back. Did you know they bring food up there in one of those helicopters? Muggle engineering is mad, those things don't look like they want to stay in the sky at all. Do you think they're better or worse than the plane we took to get here? Maybe we should see if we can ride in one before we go back, I saw a sign saying they do tours. Remus smiles as Sirius prattles on, he never had managed to outgrow his love of muggle machinery. He reaches out to wipe away a streak of sunscreen near the corner of Sirius's eye that hadn't quite gotten rubbed in and they start toward the trail. It takes them nearly three hours to reach the peak, stopping several times along the way to catch their breath and take a few pictures to show Harry when they got home. The views from the big beehive are awe-inspiring, the electrifying glacial blue of Lake Louise spread beneath their feet as the Canadian Rockies trail away in the distance. Wow, Remus breathes, awestruck. Yeah, agrees Sirius. I can't believe the color of the water. Me neither. They smile at each other as Sirius tries to sneakily fiddle with the pocket on his pack. Totally worth the exhaustion. Sirius just snorts in response. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm, it is. Probably the second most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Remus throws Sirius an unimpressed side-eye. That was the corniest thing I've ever heard, he admonishes. I know you can do better than that. You're the greatest natural beauty I've ever known, Moons, I can't lie to you about it. Waking up next to you every morning, the sun highlighting your freckles, golden lashes spread across your cheeks, 
that little bump on your nose? Unbelievable, every day. Remus's cheeks pink at the compliment, unable to believe Sirius still has this effect on him twenty years into their relationship. He kisses him softly. You're one to talk, Mr. My Cheekbones could cut glass. You know you're gorgeous. Sirius preens for a moment then takes a deep breath. Mooney mine, thank you for indulging me. I know this isn't really your thing, and I appreciate that you're willing to come along for the ride on some of my more harebrained ideas. A weekend of muggle living, flying across an ocean just because I wanted to see how airplanes work, spending hours climbing in the sun. Thank you. This is the most fun I've had in ages. You're welcome, love, though you're right, I do generally only like the outdoors when I'm literally a wolf, Remus says with a smile. I'd do anything to see you as happy as you've been today, you know that. Anything? Sirius asks hopefully, mischief evident in his features. Remus eyes him with suspicion. Even marry me? Remus bites back a smile. I've really backed myself into a corner here, haven't I? I'm too exhausted to make any life-altering decisions right now, love, maybe we better save that for a time when I'm not nearly delirious with hunger and dehydration. Sirius rolls his eyes. Well, we wouldn't want that. Do you want to skip the hiking on the way back, apparate to the tea house to eat then down to the bottom? That sounds perfect. If we hurry, we might have time to do one of those helicopter tours before we catch our port key home. Sirius's eyes light up at the suggestion and they disappear with a crack. Sirius removes the blindfold from Remus's eyes to reveal an open-topped burgundy carriage pulled by six golden, nine-tailed kitsune. A bottle of champagne is chilling in the seat, and there's a pile of blankets and pillows stashed on the floor. Sirius offers his hand to Remus as he steps inside, once they're settled, the driverless carriage takes them on a tour of Osaka at sunset. People crowd the streets, everyone vying for the best seats for the city's magical Hanabi festival. Their carriage ride ends on a little path that overlooks the bay. Sirius lays a pillow on the ground, casts an engorgement charm on it until it's roughly as large as a queen-size mattress, then tosses all the blankets and remaining pillows on top of it and lies down. Climb on, moonshine, he instructs, patting the spot next to him. Remus makes himself comfortable, propped up on a pair of pillows, and wraps the two of them together under one blanket. They cuddle and chat, watching as the crowd around them prepares for the show. There's a family next to them, parents and three small children, who have taken a page out of Sirius's book and made themselves a nest. Harry would love this, Sirius remarks. Did you know he bought the entire first run of Fred and George's fireworks? Honestly, I think he was just worried Seamus would get his hands on them and blow up the entirety of Gryffindor Tower, Remus muses. Though he is a fifteen-year-old boy. Explosions are kind of a widely shared interest. Sirius laughs. They enjoy a few minutes of comfortable silence wrapped in each other's arms, Sirius's fingers carting through Remus's curls as Remus lazily strokes Sirius's hip bone. Sirius sighs in utter contentment. Darkness falls fully and the show begins. Beautiful bursts of color and light, sparkling dragons that breathe actual fire, 
burning stars that arrange themselves in constellations, a rushing waterfall that thunders from the sky all the way into the bay at their feet. It's brighter than daylight and lasts for an hour, fireworks whistling and crackling above their heads, occasional shells raining down on them. Sirius can see everything reflecting in Remus's wide eyes, the glow making him look like he's lit from within. Just as the show reaches its finale, the sky filled with weeping willows that burst further into chrysanthemums instead of burning out, Sirius turns and kisses Remus soundly, sucking on his bottom lip. As the last of the fireworks burn themselves out, Sirius pulls away and cups Remus's cheek as he stares into amber eyes. Marry me, he says softly, biting his lip as he smiles. I'm sorry, I can't hear you, Remus replies, smirking playfully at Sirius. My very sensitive werewolf hearing has been permanently damaged by all this ruckus. Could you repeat that? I said, marry me, Sirius repeats, a little above his normal speaking volume. Carry you. Carry you where? Isn't that what we have the carriage for? No, says Sirius, exasperated. I said marry me. Not if you're going to shout about it, love, that just seems unnecessary, Remus says with a laugh. You're a nuisance, you know that. Sirius admonishes. I do, Remus answers, as he pecks him on the lips. It's one of your favorite things about me. Merlin help me, it really is, Sirius agrees. Remus looks around the cemetery, then down at Sirius on one knee before him. Your mother's grave, Sirius. Respectfully, Pads, what the fuck? Sirius grins up at him. This one was more for me than you, honestly. I wanted to see if I could actually watch the bitch roll in her grave when I proposed to my incredibly sexy werewolf boyfriend with whom I've been living in sin for twenty years. Remus throws his head back and cackles. Oh, you're such a petty bitch, I love you so much. You have no idea. Is that a yes, then? Sirius asks, more surprised than hopeful. Absolutely not, but we can spite Shag here if you'd like. Mary Shelley would be proud. Remus laughs again at the look of disgust that crosses Sirius's face. I'll take that as a no. Got it. How cold is it? Remus eyes the deep water warily. Sirius had lined up a day of sightseeing on roads, touring the Acropolis of Lindos, seeing the Minotaur and Chimera at the Magical Zoo, and riding a Pegasus around the preserved Colossus, hidden from the Muggles two thousand years earlier when the Greeks enacted their version of the Statute of Secrecy. Lots of hot, sweaty activity, all culminating in a refreshing evening swim in the Lamsai Grotto. It's the Mediterranean, Remus, Sirius rolls his eyes in exasperation. You'll be fine. I swear to Merlin, I'll never understand how a man whose body runs two degrees warmer than anyone else's is so cold all the time. It's the temperature difference, Pads, it's a bigger change from my body temperature than it is from yours. Ah, he hisses softly as he enters the water. Sirius swims over to his partner, gathering him into his arms as weightlessness charms keep them effortlessly afloat. Remus kisses him, softly at first, 
then deeper as he wraps his legs around Sirius's waist, scarred chest pressed tightly against Sirius's heavy ink. Sirius's hands slide slowly up Remus's thighs to hold him firmly by his arse. Oomph, wait wait, hold on, it's almost time, stop distracting me, Sirius protests as Remus follows his retreating lips. I cast so many repelling charms and notice me nots to make sure we'd have the place to ourselves, it'd be a shame if we missed it. What are we looking for? Remus asks. I can't think of many things I'd enjoy more than what we were just doing. You'll love this, I promise. Ah, there they go, look. Sirius excitedly gestures to the deep pool they're submerged in. The water all around them begins to glow a fluorescent teal, the light seems to emanate from the water itself. Remus's breath catches in his chest. Oh, love, it's stunning. What is it? What's happening here? Bioluminescent Grindylows. This coastline is the only place in the world they can survive, something about the water temperature and the magical runoff from maintaining the statue at the harbor entrance. Aren't they lovely? Sirius grins at the wonder in Mooney's eyes, the intersection of magic and biology has always been a particular interest of his. Breathtaking, both figuratively and literally. Any reason you're trying to let some rare magical creatures drown me? Remus teases, flicking a few drops of water in Sirius's face. Well, it gives me an easy out if I fly into a murderous rage when you decline my proposal again, you see. The Grindylows did it. Sirius bites his lip, trying to contain his smile. That was me asking if you'll marry me, by the way. The flowery speeches haven't been working so I had to resort to threats. Remus gives a full-throated laugh, almost falling from Sirius's hold as his whole body arches back and shakes with mirth. Oh, well, now I really can't say yes to that. You wouldn't want me to marry you out of fear for my life, would you? You want me to want it. That would be preferable, yes, but at this point I'll take what I can get, Sirius shrugs. He sighs heavily then pecks Remus on the lips. Come on, let's put bubbleheads on so we can swim down and check them out. I want to see if they glow brighter when they chase us. Since starting Wolfsbane three years ago, Mooney the man could remember his time as Mooney the wolf. Sometimes he was able to curl up in a chair and sleep through the full. Some months, though, Mooney's body was restless, and he and Padfoot still liked to run and sniff and play in the woods behind their Welsh cottage. The transformation itself remained excruciatingly painful, but Remus found he aged more easily in his wolf body than he did as a human. His joints ached less, the shoulder that dislocated so easily as a human stayed in its socket, and he had the stamina to run for miles. Sirius had always been more patient with the wolf than Remus had and happily spent one evening a month within the wards they set up to give the wolf some room to run. Sirius woke up curled around Remus on the springy moss of the forest floor just behind their back garden. They'd chased rabbits and swam through the stream and howled together, following their more canine instincts, and both were ready to spend a day recovering in bed. Sirius rarely felt as close to Remus as he did in these tender moments wrapped up in each other, both at their most vulnerable after such a painful ordeal. Lycanthropy really made it easy to predict, in sickness and in health. 
Sirius nuzzled the side of Remus's neck, Remus sighing at the contact and allowing himself to be held. Good morning, Moonbeam. How are you feeling? Like my entire body reformed itself into a completely different species twice in the last twelve hours. No blood, though. Not so much as a broken nail, Sirius assessed quickly. I'd call that a successful night, wouldn't you? Remus grumbled noncommittally in response. Sirius ran his nose gently along the shell of Remus's ear. We're a good pair, you and me. Boomph. We are. Faded, you could almost say. We should have known way back in fifth year when we discovered my animagus form, really. You and me, babe. Written in the night sky. We should listen to what the universe has been trying to tell us. We should get married. Remus didn't even bother turning his head, but Sirius could feel the side I sent his way. We should. Remus does flip around to face Sirius at that, arching his eyebrow in a way that clearly says really? Well, I don't know. I'm trying a new tactic. I thought maybe reframing the full would be romantic. It's something we do together every single month, something no one else gets to experience. Maybe giving it a positive connotation would be good. Remus just shook his head, flipped back to his position as Little Spoon, and drew Sirius's arms around himself more tightly. Sirius had stayed at Hogwarts the evening before Easter break, fluing in after supper, so he, Remus, and Harry could all travel back to Wales together after the rest of the students got on the train. When the post arrives at breakfast the next morning, a pair of doves deliver a scarlet envelope to Professor Lupin. Sirius, disillusioned behind the teacher's table so he can observe unnoticed, sees him preemptively roll his eyes and search for Sirius's position along the wall. He sends a subtle smile to the apparently empty stretch of brick where Sirius is standing, never could hide from the werewolf bastard, takes a deep, fortifying breath, and opens the envelope. Remus Lupin, best defense against the dark arts teacher in Hogwarts history, handsomest bloke in all of Wales and Scotland, every Ravenclaw's first crush. At this Sirius glances around the room to see pink cheeks on most of the Ravenclaws, scattered Hufflepuffs and Slytherins, and, perhaps most notably, Hermione Granger. Love of my life. I adore you. You fill my days with joy and my nights with passion. Will you marry me? Harry lifts the disillusionment charm from the Gryffindor table and Sirius, who had crept up beside Remus, kneels to the ground and offers the ring. A furiously blushing Remus clears his throat. The great hall is bathed in silence for a few seconds, then. Are you trying to peer pressure me by asking in front of the whole school? Honestly, what kind of example would I be setting if I said yes under those circumstances? Sorry, love, it'd be irresponsible for me to say yes. Students across the Great Hall titter, Harry and Ron burst into laughter as Hermione's mouth drops open in shock. Remus leans down and whispers quietly in his ear. Every Ravenclaw's first crush. Nights with passion. Really, serious? These are my students. Trust me, Rem, this was showing restraint. The original draft said, juiciest arse in all of Scotland and Wales, best shag I've ever had, and biggest. Okay.
Remus loudly interrupts Sirius's train of thought and kisses him chastely. In that case, thank you for keeping your audience in mind. Let's get these kids loaded up and head home, shall we? I'm sure Harry is very excited to mock you mercilessly. Remus returns to his office early one afternoon, exhausted after trying to keep a bunch of fourth years on task. He jumps in surprise as a familiar voice asks, Ravenclaws managed to get you off topic again. Fuck, Pads, you scared the shit out of me, I wasn't expecting you. Yeah, for a bunch of kids who are supposed to be the studious ones, they have a real gift for never managing to learn what I'm trying to teach them. I spent half of class blocking Tarantaligras because they thought it'd be funny for me to tap dance, then they asked me a thousand questions about wandless, wordless magic when I instinctively put up a shield while trying to lecture. Remus sighed in frustration. We both know you'd rather teach them about that anyway. If I remember correctly, we were in fourth year when you spent a week learning how to silently cast the conjunctivitis hex on yourself so you could get out of partnering with Mulsibur in potions. I don't know, professor, I must be allergic to his shampoo or something, this just isn't working. Sirius mimics in a mock-innocent voice. Remus laughs at the memory. To be fair to me, he was a terrible partner, and it worked. I will never understand why Slughorn thought forcing us to pair up with the Slytherins was going to be a good idea anyway. Everything worked out much better after you blew up Snape's cauldron and we got to go back to choosing our own partners. Serious grins. Sabotaging my own grade was a sacrifice I was more than willing to make. The look on Snape's face was priceless, it was completely worth the week of detentions. And you wonder why he still hates you. What are you doing here? I thought you weren't coming up this week. Sirius's smile grows. I have a surprise for you. Come on, off to Hogsmeade, I'll apparate us from there. They appear in front of a modest grey marble building with the word Saradwen Alexander Archive in gold above the entrance. Remus turns to look at Sirius, eyes wide, mouth agape. You brought me to the library, he says breathlessly. Sirius laughs. Yes, yes I did. No, Remus clarifies. I mean you brought me to the library, the one that has a copy of every text ever written. I did bring you to that library, yes. The library that has a copy of every text ever written, both muggle and magical. Every muggle and magical book ever written, and recordings of oral histories and legends and, I can't believe we're here. I've always wanted a reason to come here but it's usually only open for approved research because the books are so delicate. What are we doing here? Are we allowed to go in? Serious nods. How are we allowed to go in? How did you do this? Turns out keeping your library open to a very select few means it's hard to maintain funding. I pledged a recurring donation, and they made me a friend of the archive, which comes with access, serious shrugs. So you, bought me a library? You bought me the library? In a way, I guess, serious smiles, affection evident in his expression. He knew Mooney was going to love this. Much better than some silly mountaintop. In you go, I told them we were coming. The polished oak doors open of their own accord, 
and Remus and Sirius are met at the desk by a blonde woman with a pleasant face. Hello, she says. My name is Emma, and I'm the librarian today. It's wonderful to have you here, Mr. Black. We appreciate your commitment to furthering the knowledge of wizard kind. What can I help you with? Sirius turns to Remus, who is dumbstruck and still gaping. Is there any way we can just browse? Sirius asks on Remus's behalf. Absolutely, Emma says. To the left of the aisle is non-fiction, fiction to the right. Recordings are on the back wall. Of course, every book ever written is a huge volume, so instead of a traditional system, our shelves operate by a type of summoning charm. Just think about a given title or topic and the shelves will fill with what you want. All we ask is that you place a stasis charm on anything before you touch it for preservation purposes, some of these books are one-of-a-kind and non-duplicable. Feel free to use any of the tables, chairs, or couches in the front while you read. Have a great time, she smiles as Remus mumbles a quiet thank you and wanders off in a daze. Sirius trails behind him, incandescently happy with Mooney's reaction to the surprise. He spends half an hour thinking books into existence, from scrolls giving instructions on how to make Roman concrete, to the love letters Henry VIII wrote to and Boland before they were married, to American comic books from the 1950s. He touches covers reverently, wide eyes occasionally meeting Sirius's, still unable to believe that all of this is available to him. Eventually, Remus picks a first edition of The Hobbit and settles into an overstuffed armchair to read. Sirius lounges on the couch across just watching him, thinking about the best way to interrupt so he can pop the question. After several hours where Remus doesn't even look up from his book, he decides to just let it go for tonight. Remus is already so overwhelmed by this experience, and this is the most content Sirius has ever been. This is enough joy for one day, he can come up with another plan tomorrow. He's just happy Remus is enjoying himself. Around midnight, Sirius gently nudges Remus to get his attention. It's time to go sweetheart, the library is closing soon and you have a bunch of sixteen-year-olds to wrangle in the morning. Let's get you home. Remus returns his book to the shelf and takes Sirius's hand as they make their way to the exit. Thank you, he whispers softly as he kisses the back of their laced hands. The evening Harry and Remus return from Hogwarts for the summer, Harry wanders into the office where Remus is reading a book. Remus looks up, eyebrows drawn together with concern as he marks his page with his finger. Something wrong, has. What do you need? Harry looks at him with wide green eyes and a nearly pouting lower lip. I'm worried about Padfoot, Mooney. He hasn't been the same lately. He seems sad about something. Aha, uh -huh, Remus responds suspiciously, eyes flicking to the archway that leads to the kitchen. And what, exactly, do you think could be upsetting him? I think he really wants to marry you, Mooney, and you're hurting his feelings when you keep telling him no. Couldn't you please just marry him? For me. A hopeful expression paints itself across Harry's face. Remus snorts and says, a little louder so his voice carries. Can't even be bothered to ask me himself, what a lazy sod. He winks at Harry, 
whose expression rapidly cracks into a wide grin, all pretense of concern and hope immediately disappearing. If he wanted you to soften me up, he shouldn't have coached you into your, who, me. I couldn't possibly deserve detention, face. I spend ten months a year watching you narrowly avoid trouble at school, Harry, and I watched your father do the same with every authority figure he met for a decade. The mock innocent face doesn't work on me. He hears a series of curse words coming from behind the arch, followed by steps retreating to the kitchen. Harry tries to contain his laughter as he flops on the chair next to Remus. I told him it would never work, but he insisted. Can't you just put him out of his misery, Mooney? He's trying so hard. The Howler one was my idea, you know. That was hilarious. Were you the one to keep, juiciest arse, out of there, or did he do that on his own? Ew, Harry wrinkles his nose. I definitely didn't need to hear that. Ever. I'm getting out of here before Sirius comes in and you get even more gross. Can I go to Ron's tomorrow and play Quidditch? Sure, why not, it's the summer holiday. Remus smiles at Harry's retreating back as he goes to Owl Ron, amused that his being out tomorrow will almost certainly ensure the existence of more gross. Sirius wakes up one morning in early July with a truly astonishing head cold. Sinuses plugged, throat scratchy, splitting headache, he was the textbook definition of misery. Remus spends the day in and out of their room, fixing what he is able and comforting when he can't. In the early afternoon, he sets down a bowl of chicken and dumpling soup on the bedside table. Sirius looks at him from where he's curled in a nest of blankets and pillows, eyes and sweaty fringe the only things visible. Thank you, he rasps, sitting up as Remus conjures a tray and sets it in his lap. Of course, love. It's Hope Lupin's special recipe, guaranteed to have you feeling better in twelve hours or less. She made it for me after every moon when I was a kid. Remus gently strokes his hair, pushing his fringe off his forehead and kissing him between his eyebrows. You've always taken such good care of me, I don't know what I've done to deserve you. Someday, I'm going to convince you to let me marry you, and I can't wait for that to happen. Okay, Remus says softly. Okay what? Okay, I'll marry you. Sirius sputters and sits up straighter, soup wobbling precariously. What? Why'd you say yes to that one? That wasn't even a real proposal. Oh, well, if you're taking it back I guess. No. Sirius shouts, panic evident in his face. That was absolutely, 100% a real proposal that you said yes to, and now you have to marry me. Perfect. That's all I've ever wanted. Sirius cocks his head to the side, incredulous. Why'd I have to ask twelve different times, then? Well, I meant it as a joke the first time, I fully intended to say yes. But then you got that competitive, determined look I love so much, and you know I can't let you just have anything when you make that face. After that one, I wanted to see how far you'd take it. Remus shrugs. So this was, a prank? Serious squawks, affection beating out irritation in his chest. Godric, he's such a little shit. He loved him so much. Oh absolutely. 
It's the first thing that made you fall in love with me, I couldn't let the opportunity to remind you slip away. We've had a great year with this, haven't we? I'd always wanted to go to Rhodes. First of all, I'm pretty sure the first thing I fell in love with was your gorgeous arse. The pranking was a close second, Sirius clarifies. Second, we did have a great time, didn't we? I loved having an excuse to surprise you. He sets aside his soup and tugs Remus into bed with him, tucking him beneath his arm. He silently summons the box from the dresser and slips the ring on Remus's left hand. Oh, Sirius, I love it. Just the color of your eyes. He kisses Sirius softly, head cold be damned. Now finish your soup and take a nap. We have a lot of planning to do before next summer. Nope, I've been waiting twenty years for this, I can't wait to be Mr. Lupin. I was thinking a small ministry ceremony, just us, Harry, Andromeda's family, how does next month sound? I thought you'd never ask. Thanks for listening to this text to speech podfic composed by Burning Aurora.